I think it's time to talk about zombies. I mean, look, the sun's going down, and the shadows are getting long. You know, that dying light begins to play tricks on both your vision and your imagination. And as it gets darker, danger looms large in the mind. And out of that growing darkness, now we hear sounds that we can't see anymore. Suddenly, you're glad for the fire. And any weapon feels good to hold. You know, fear has always been with us as a people. Mankind has an interesting relationship with fear. We're both uncomfortable with it, and yet entertained by it. Fear can paralyze us, but also educate us. Do you think maybe that we could learn something about the living human soul by examining it through the gray, dead eyes of a zombie? No? If you think so, or you think this will at least be an interesting conversation, then... Well, I'll throw a little bit more wood on the fire. And you can sit down here and grab yourself a coffee. And let's explore this interest that the world has with the undead. You have found the frequency of the Enemy Patrol podcast. Please stand by for new directions. Over. All right, welcome to the fire of the enemy patrol. I am the Anomic Ranger, your very own reality scout. As your scout, I give you information that you can use as you move ahead in this adventure called life. And since you are the general in this campaign, it's you that makes the ultimate decisions. I am just your humble reality scout. I just give you kind of the lay of the land. You can use my reports or don't. I just tell you what I see. If you like these uh, Anime Patrol reports um, and you want to know a little bit more, you can subscribe so that you don't miss one of these. And uh, you can also take a look at my website. You can find me at anomicranger.com. And if you want to send me an email, you can do so in the contact portion of my website. Or you can send me an email direct to animepatrolhq at yahoo.com. And if you like what I write or podcast, because I do su do some writing on the website, um, give me a good rating, subscribe, comment, but most importantly, share with somebody you think would enjoy this. Now, I know I talked about being a reality scout, and here I let my little intro come in, and I'm talking about zombies, and everybody knows there's no such thing as zombies. Yeah, I get that. I thought I'd try something different. Um, but it is interesting. It's interesting to look at uh, popular culture and see if maybe that tells a bit of a story. So that's what we're going to explore a little bit today. Um, that will be under, I usually break these into roughly three areas, although lots of times they tend to dovetail together. But um, I break into three sections. Um, the first one is the veneration of the normal man. And the second section I put under the lies we find in our society. And you're going to find that uh, the two that we're talking about today under talking a little bit about the zombie culture and the lies 
lie of the day, I call it, or the lies found in society are going to dovetail together nicely. And then lastly, if time is available, if I haven't rambled on too long, I give some practical steps to help increase your personal agency and help you think a little more independently, or at least think a little differently. So, yes, zombies. Very interesting. How popular they've gotten in the last little while. You know, and really when it comes down to, and how I'm going to work this is I'm going to talk about fear, just fear in general. And every normal person faces fear. Um, society has become a rather scary place and yet not really because it used to be that your fears were based on things like real diseases or or real soldiers attacking your country or real things but now it seems like the fear is is hard to put your finger on so we're going to get into that a little bit and you know, the zombie thing is kind of interesting because everybody knows the, the basic outline of the, of the movies and TV shows and just the whole culture thing that has come out in the last few years. I mean, zombies originally, it was I think it was a voodoo thing. And no, I didn't go in and research zombies. It's not that important. It, I mean, in the end, it is just a story. But it's interesting how the stories come to have come together and how they've changed over the years. Like I said, in the beginning, zombies were, you know, one or two souls that had been reanimated by a, a voodoo doctor. And now, uh, starting in about, I'm not sure when the first zombie movie came out, I think probably in the early 50s or something like that, got really popular. Uh, a couple of movies come out, I think, in the late 60s. I'm not sure. I'm really not that into it. I have watched a few, but... It's mostly how society is treating it. But your your general um, zombie show outline is these hordes of people that have been reanimated by, well, whatever, usually a disease or something. Nobody's really sure. It's just all of a sudden people start turning into zombies and they're half brain dead and they just go around shuffling and moaning and hissing and gargling and, and uh, they're really dumb. Uh, some are fast, some are slow depending on your movie and how they want to play it. But they're always hungry. Always hungry. And they always want to take a chunk out of the living and chew on it. And usually, of course, society is in total wreckage, so it's definitely a survival genre. So it's, I mean, it's, it's horror and gore. So what? There's lots of movies. There's lots of popular culture out there that... that um, glorifies gore and and blood and usually involves something supernatural or i don't know an animated doll or or a guy who died 50 years ago and comes out every so often and chops people up with a machete or a knife or i don't know chases them down with a garbage truck. I, you know what i really don't like horror zombie movies are about the only horror that i can handle because there's nothing supernatural about it just somehow a bunch of people got uh brain dead and they want to bite you and if you shoot them in the head they go down so I, I've always been a little bit it's the only horror that type genre that I've been kind of that's caught my interest at all 
And I think probably one of the reasons why I got slightly more interested in it is because of the way people talk about it. They talk about it like it's real. I mean, when Freddy Krueger or whatever that animated doll was that come out in those movies years ago or whatever, they talk about it, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it comes talking about zombie apocalypse, I mean, people will put that into a real conversation. Like, you know, the, you, they <coughs> say, well, yeah, you, you know, you better, you better put a lift on your, on your truck because, well, when the zombie apocalypse comes, you might have to drive through a whole crowd. And I mean, that's laughing about it, like, ha, ha, ha. But they will inject that into real conversation. And uh, so the person knows, like if you said to him, do you really think that people are going to reanimate and, and shuffle around and, and eating live people? They'll say, well, no. And yet you can go, if you don't think that people don't treat it seriously. Just go on Google and, and Google zombie gear. And there's whole companies that are selling stuff and it's real stuff. Like they're selling real machetes and, and real knives. And now you say, well, of course, I mean, anybody's going to take advantage of if somebody's willing to part with their hard earned cash to get, you know, a zombie proof backpack or something like that, then, you know, more power to them. That's true. But that means there's somebody that's actually looking and they're going to buy it and they, I don't know. There's a people are treating it more of a reality than they would say ghosts or hauntings or whatever. So I have this theory in my head that it's possible that it feels more real to some people because there's a box in our mind that checks off, you know, like a little check mark. That's what we're going to explore here. That's what we are exploring here. Because it's becoming a darker world all the time. You know, fear is becoming more and more prevalent in our society. Normal people are, are scared. Now, I honestly don't think they're scared of, you know, rotting green teeth chomping into their flesh. I don't think normal people really understand what they're scared of and what they are spooked by in our culture, in our society. But people are scared. The fear level is, is quite high. Now, we could go, I could go on and on about all the reasons for that, about the media and about things like this Chinese communist flu that got released and, and all these different things like that. But, I mean, really, if you compare to, say, the 1918 flu, it's nothing. And you could say, well, people fear terrorism. Okay, but look in the past. Look at what people in, say, in in the 900s in England had to face, you know, you're living in a peaceful village, but, you know, every once in a while, a bunch of Vikings land and kill all the men and, and take all the women as slaves and sack and burn the town. I mean, people live with that on a, on a daily basis. You never knew when you were going to be attacked. And I mean, that's, I just picked one part of the world. You can pick any part of the world and there's parts of the world right now that, that real things are happening to. I'm talking about this vague fear that's always hanging in the back of the mind. And I think that's what's happening is that the world has become very complicated. And I think our, our problems are complicated and we feel that something is wrong and we can't put our finger on it. Now, the news media and the whatever you want to call it, the powers that be, the elites, the cabal, it doesn't really matter what you call it. Them. Well, they are cranking up the fear as hard as they can. 
in everybody. I mean, you just watch the media. And I know some of that is just, well, if it bleeds, it leads. So it doesn't matter whether they're ramping up your fear of, of the COVID cough or, or ramping up your fear about crime or ramping up your fear about rioting. Or they, they just they ramp up fear because it puts eyes on the screen. And the effect of this is, is everybody's got this vague feeling of fear. And it's been there for a long time. I mean, I've lived with it all my life. When I was a kid, the, the big fear was, was, oh my goodness, nuclear war, because the Soviet Union had, you know, 10,000 nuclear warheads pointed at us in the West. So this fear has been around a long time. And I think that's what this is about, is I think, when you sit down to watch a zombie movie, you're indulging in a show that both cranks up the fear to a higher level, and yet it removes the confusion. I mean, you just have to worry about some half-rotten corpse that drags itself up and, and sinks its teeth into your leg, and now you're infected, and now you're going to become a zombie. You have to worry about that. You have to worry about you know wh whether you're going to scavenge the next meal or all the different things that they throw into zombie movies. And that, because it, because it cranks up the fear to an even higher level, and that's what you're expecting, I mean, that's why you pop the popcorn and sit down in front of the screen, is because you want to be a little bit entertained and, and titillated by fear, so they ramp that up, but then they remove the confusion, and that, in a way, is calming. And I think one of the reasons that, another reason that people like, or not like, I shouldn't use the word like, they identify, that's a better word, they identify with the zombie movies. Because I think people are taught that there are too many other people on the earth. And we're going to get into that a little bit later when we get to the lies of the day. That mankind is a virus on the planet. That cities are too crowded. And people feel a sense of guilt. So... By turning people, the majority of the population into zombies and leaving the, the few that are still alive racing around trying to, trying to survive, I think there's a, a certain little feeling in people. It's like, well, there, now the earth can have a rest because, I mean, the zombies don't chew on anybody but the living, right? And it's the living that are the problem. They're the ones that are polluting and having too many babies and driving SUVs and all that. I mean, zombies aren't hard in the environment. They just shuffle around moaning, looking for things to eat. I don't think it's thought through a lot, but I think that's there. Like I said, we're going to get into that a little bit later with when we get into the lie of the day. But, you know, another thing too is I think the human race, and especially at least Western culture, I mean, I can't speak to all cultures, but the culture that I've... I mean, in, in um, Canadian is a lot like, of course, the American culture in that we have a lot of the same venues of entertainment and a lot of similar backgrounds and stuff. But I think our society has been socially engineered into having less in common with your with the common man. Our common threads have been removed on purpose. So we have this extreme polarization that's happening everywhere. And I, this has been intentional. And I've went into this in the past. You have to go listen to some of my past um, podcasts about this, this whole leftist intersectionality type thinking that is taught from 
well, as soon as kids go to school, they're taught it. It's like others are different. And it was taught under the guise of acceptance, and yet it turns into making one side feel guilty and, and the other side feel redeemed or better. Or Anyway, I'm not going to get into it right now. I'm not going to chase down that rabbit trail at this point. I'm, I'm bad for rabbit trails, but I refuse to because I'm on a mission to talk about zombies. So let's just keep going on this. And I think this has led to feelings of, of hatred, this intersectionality. Hatred for crowds, for others. Um, so with a zombie movie, all you do is turn off the brain of all those shuffling hordes, those crowds, those, those, uh, those, 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 when you're in the city, the, the hordes shuffling the sidewalks and stuffing themselves into, into trains or jet planes or malls or whatever that you just put up with the crowds, you put up with the crowds and yet in your mind, they're all others. They're others. They're others. They're not you. So by turning off the brain and making them really ugly and, and, and their flesh half rotting off of them by destroying their brains, then the others are turned into monsters. So we can loathe them, we can hate them, and we can fear them. And it's guilt-free. I mean, the ocean of people that you're faced with in a big city have now ceased to be people in a zombie movie. They're just the shuffling hordes that you have to stay away from. And of course, you're way smarter than them, but oh boy, don't ever get cornered because they're hungry. I think... the. the not that I'm saying that zombie movies have caused this, and I don't think they do. I honestly think what I said before, it gives us a sense of, of even though the fear is turned to 11, the, the guilt has been turned down of looking at our fellow men like zombies, like looking at them with contempt. The zombie genre gets us off the hook for that feeling of, in a way, hating our fellow man. I mean, it makes us vaguely uneasy, but hey, I mean, if they're ugly enough and if every time one gets close to you, he tries to bite a chunk out of you, well, and then, you know, it kind of goes away. But it, there's something there. There's something to that. I mean, life itself has, has gotten pretty screwed up, the way we relate to one another, person to person. It's gotten really bad. This intersectionality has made us really really have a hard time even seeing eye to eye with people. This constant social engineering that we've been plagued with for generations now has messed up everything. I mean, it's messed up our familial relationships, you know, father, mother, children, extended family. Those have all been been butchered to on the altar of, you know, leftism basically. I mean, through its various tenets like, you know, feminism and and children spending more time in institutions than they do with their family and both parents having to work and and all these different things extended families well that's you know that that's just just not done in our culture anymore that's when when you you move away from your parents and when your parents get old you put them in an institution and things like that so this this pulling apart of our society has been going on a long time. And I mean, I mentioned feminism. I mean, the whole concept of real love between men and women has been, has been just smashed. I mean, it's, it's so broken. It's, it, it's instinct basically is the only thing that keeps putting them together. 
Certainly nothing in our culture makes it look good. I mean, men are taught to distrust and hate women, and women are taught to hate and distrust men. And, and even when they do get together, I mean, what's the divorce rate now? I don't know what it is, 60% or something. It's like barely can hold it together. And even the ideas of, of how people, you know, work with one another, how people relate to one another, are, are, are basic mores and, and norms in our society that have held us together in Western civilization for generation after generation. I'm talking about ideas like courage or honor. In our day-to-day life now, that's gone. It's almost sneered at. I mean, somebody who has honor... Well, they're looked at as, you know, quaint, maybe. And courage? I mean, not that anybody honors a coward. Not that anybody says, oh, that was sure good that you're cowardly. But uh, 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 children being taught it's good to have courage? No, no, no. That's gone. So because of this, people no longer trust our institutions. So you add all this stuff up, how messed up everything is. And that's the other thing about a zombie apocalypse that people, I think, it, they can relate to it. I know this is the part that I kind of related to because, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a zombie apocalypse or a story about a nuclear war or a story about all, just anything that resets a society down to zero and burns everything to the ground that's, that's corrupt and wrong. Then everything has to reset to more natural order. I mean, women would need to appreciate strong men again. Strong men would have to learn to appreciate strong men again. Things like courage and honor and keeping your word when you wouldn't have anything else. Things would reset back to that. They would have to be practiced again or to even have a society at all. I mean, even something as simple as children would have to learn to listen to their parents. I mean, if it was a zombie apocalypse, children that don't learn to listen to their parents, well, they get eaten. So there's a, in this fight for basic survival in the zombie apocalypse, in the end, even though life would be harder, way harder, it simplifies it. And then, of course, you have the other thing too, you know, it's like the curtain would be pulled back on all the bad people because, of course, all the bad people would come out. They're the ones that, you know, would be, almost as bad as the zombies and eating other people, or maybe they're the ones that um, keep heads of their enemies in fish tanks <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I know I'm talking about movies and culture. I'm not talking about reality. It's bad for a reality scout, but you get my point. People cannot figure out what's going on in our society. They are not sure of the dangers they know there's danger coming they can feel it coming but they can't quite put their finger on it they can't figure out what it is that has them gives them the anxiety so you blend the all this together and it makes a, a zombie show not only entertaining but strangely calming i mean beyond the the, the scary parts in the plot i'm talking about and then it's pretty phenomenal when you consider how gruesome a zombie movie is. I mean, they definitely go in for the gore. But I think the the genre of the of the zombie apocalypse it reintroduces the concept of the hero in an age that has debunked the hero.
let's uh what can we conclude from all this well let's go back and think about a normal person what we can conclude from the zombie fantasy Well, we can see that uh, a normal person would get this strange satisfaction from a zombie fantasy. And yet, at the same time, it is slightly disturbing how it turns the others in a crowd into non-people. I mean, in the zom of course, a zombie is not like other people at all. I mean, they're hissing and moaning and shuffling and rotting, and they're always, always hungry, and they're dangerous. But maybe it's time to examine our own souls a little bit. Maybe the reason we find zombies entertaining or even calming is because in our own mind we have dehumanized the others in the crowd. Because it's a lot easier to dislike than it is to try and understand. Especially when people are in a crowd. You know, they always talk about crowds are, are dangerous because... <clears throat> Oh, what was that one line? Here I am quoting movies all night, but <clears throat> excuse me. In, uh, I think it was in Men in Black. Um, a person is smart, but people are dumb. It, there, there's some truth to that. Um, the, these rioting crowds and stuff, there's, a, there's almost like a, a thinking that when a crowd is together, it's almost like zombies. They get, they get riled up and, and they do things that if they really thought about it, they wouldn't do, but they just get caught up in the fact that they're in a crowd and they just play the role as a person in a riot or a person, an angry person in a crowd. They're not a person, a personality on their own. They would never do it if they were alone, but because they're in a crowd, they can kind of hide behind that. So <clears throat> maybe it's time to, look deep into our own souls and, and see how much we have dehumanized other people. Now, I'm not talking about the whole world needs to join hands and sing Kumbaya together like some boomer fantasy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about learning. And I believe it's a skill and I think it's something you have to practice. I'm talking about treating other people you come in contact with with more respect talking about that waitress or that co-worker or that grocery store clerk you know those people that you just see that they're just they're playing a role and so you treat them like they're playing a role instead of seeing them as a person and maybe when you look at on television and you see a crowd and they're upset about something instead of just looking at them as, as a whole try and see them as individuals and maybe some of them do have something that they see as that they really are upset about. Maybe, they, maybe they're just rioting. I don't know. But try to pull back from this seeing crowds as, as an entity. They're not an entity. They're groups of individuals that have either worked themselves into evil or, or worked themselves up because of, of a passion of some kind. So again, I'm not talking about kumbaya here. I'm just talking about when you deal with people, you try and get them to I was I was listening to a or watching a YouTube video and it was a guy that was talking about the skill of that when you're when you're talking to somebody to try and get the to see them as a human um, and he said the hardest one to do is a police officer 
but try to see them, uh, try and talk to them man to man, not a man that maybe has, you know, went too fast in his car and a man that's wearing a uniform giving him a ticket, but it's two men. Learn to try and talk to people that way all the time. And I think what it is, it's like you're communi- communicating on that man-to-man level. You're trying to see their soul. And you know what? It's, it's, it's Sometimes it's difficult. There's some people, they don't want you to see their soul. They like the wall or the barrier or whatever that they have put up, whether it's the uniform that they've put on or the role that they're playing. But learning to look into their eyes and, and see them as an individual <clears throat> quit seeing people as uh, the way the the uh, elites want you the, the elites want everybody in intersectional groups they want everybody who's gay or straight or black or white or or old or young or male or female or i mean they've done a great job of that of breaking up everybody into these groups and then fomenting trouble between everybody creating all this trouble and saying oh we're the ones that are for everybody which is really wild when you look at it how they've done that but They've been very good at it. I mean, they've been at it for years. They've had the... Well, here I am going down a rabbit trail again. said I wasn't going to do that. You can listen to some, uh, some of my other podcasts about uh, leftist groups and, and their thinking and how they've done it. I know I should tell you the exact episode, but hey, just go skim through. Um, I think I pretty, pretty much take a kick at that dog every time I go by it. So anyway, I'll get off of that. But like I said, learning to see people in, at their soul level... level. Now, obviously, getting back to zombies, and we could take it figuratively in the real world. If if you're trying to see into somebody's soul and they they take a bite out of you, or want try to take a bite out of you, literally or figuratively, it's okay to go for the headshot, literally or figuratively. But just being blind to their humanness is not okay. Simply be aware that we live in weird times. So I think it's time I go back now and, and talk a little bit about that lie that I talked about earlier that feeds the zombie narrative. You know, the one I talked about, the, the lie that uh, there's too many people on the earth because it's time to move on to the next section. That's right. It's time to look at the lie of the day. And this concept has been around a long time. There's too many people on the earth. We're going to just overflood the earth. There's just, there's too many stupid people. The earth is dying. There's not enough resources. Well, that's the next session we do here. Lies in society and the lie of the day. All right. Is there too many people on the earth? <clears throat> well, that's a hard one to really say. I will uh, I will say that I don't like cities. I don't like crowding. I like lots of elbow room. So in my mind, if there's more than 10, there's too many people. No, I'm just joking about that. But I don't, I don't really like crowds very much at all. I'm, um, I like being... I like having my elbow room, like I said, but I'm going to add a caveat to say there's too many people on the earth. There's too many people in large cities. There's too many people for the elites to control. 
they're really worried about too many people because the more people you have, the harder they are to control. And yes, I think there's too many people that expect to get rich in the traditional interpretation. They want to, they don't want to just live. They want to live in the lap of luxury and, and have way more than everybody else does. So yes, I think if we add those things in, you could say there's too many people on the earth, but just too many people on the earth, like the earth is dying or too many people on the earth, we're going to hit some event that's just going to destroy us all. No, 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 there's, there's plenty of, there's plenty of room. There's even plenty of elbow room. If people, you know, learn to get along, you might say a little bit better, live with less. I think there's plenty of room. So yes, I think there's things that need to change, but just to say there's too many people on the earth is they, they, it's just it, that's framed in the wrong way. Really, when they keep saying there's too many people on the earth, there's too many people on the earth, unless they're selling birth control, what they're saying is a bunch of people have to die. Now, they won't say that out loud, but when they say we have to get away from all hydrocarbon production what they're saying is a whole bunch of people have to die because if we try and move away from hydrocarbons completely a bunch of people are going to die i live in a world that if you shut off the gas tomorrow most of the country would die within a month at the wrong time of year never mind a month a week so <clears throat> to the way they're going about things just there's too many people there's too many people there's too many people on the earth and they make the earth like a person that's you know crying big tears and oh i'm dying i'm dying and it's just it's just not true <clears throat> they they don't they don't want it framed that way they don't want to say that a bunch of people want to die and yet the conclusions that you would come to. Now, if you want to know who they is, you can uh, actually go on my website, which is uh, Anomic Ranger. Uh, look at that. I just forgot my own website, anomicranger.com. Anyway, I sorry, I mixed up the, my website with my, uh, I was trying to remember my uh, email, which is animecontrolhq at yahoo.com but no my website is anomicranger.com and i do some blog posts i i wrote a blog post about conspiracies i think it was july 27th is the date on it and i define who they is if you're interested you can go look at that so yeah they don't would never say that a bunch of people want to die or a bunch of people have to die but in the end anytime that you hear the word sustainable or green you may as well just boil it down that a bunch of people have to die so the question I always ask when somebody comes up to me and they start talking about how we have to get rid of all gas and oil and coal production, I just, I always say like, oh, uh-huh, and who has to die? And when somebody talks about, well, there's too many people on the earth, it's like, well, hey, there's lots of ways to kill yourself. Just, you know, have at it if that's what you believe. Start with yourself. If you really believe in that, then take personal responsibility and, and go off yourself. I mean, that'll remove one eater consumer breather on the earth right not not that i really want anybody to do it but it's just th those people never do it's always somebody else has to suffer somebody else has to be poor somebody else has to have diseases somebody else has to be cold somebody else has to be hungry not them
but they think that they have an idea how the world needs to be run. And it's all based on this. There's too many people on the, on the world. There's no doubt in my mind that if everybody got a different attitude and if every lawn in the city was turned into a garden, if people were allowed to freely trade, if regulations on production were lifted and giant corporations were muzzled and fettered and governments were told to take their all their myriad of laws that have to do with food production and stuff it, that we would be able to bury ourselves in food. No problem. I mean, a vibrant and lawless food industry would be both tasty and nutritious. The food would be better. I mean, if you've ever had garden food or, or home-raised animals, I mean, what you buy in the stores, well, it's crap is what it is. Now, <clears throat> this is a... This is something where people, well, the government have to regulate it. Otherwise, you know, there'd be diseases and people. No, no, they don't. No, it's, yes, it's possible. It's, but it's possible now. I mean, every once in a while you hear about it, you got some giant meat packer gets listeria or something in one of the machines and there's, you know, 100,000 pounds of beef or something that's tainted and, and 221 people end up in the hospital. I mean, it, it happens, well, I wouldn't say often, but it happens often enough that, if you removed all regulations and people were left to deal with things at a community level, if you had a community butcher that was dirty enough that somebody got sick, he'd be out of business. Yes, there'd be a couple families would get sick from tainted meat or tainted milk, but that'd be it. That person would be out of business. Those big companies that got listeria in the meat, are they out of business? No. No, they're still going. Just need more government regulations, higher taxes. It's funny how that works. Anyway, but um, where was I? Oh, yeah, the double-edged sword. It is a double-edged sword because even though the food would get better, the prices would have to go up. <sighs> Let me explain how that works. Right now, we have a factory farming method as far as food goes. We have giant fields and giant farms and giant machines that use giant amounts of fossil fuels and giant amounts of fertilizer and giant amounts of spray. That's how you do it. So you have one farm, whether it's a big family or a big corporation or, or whatever, that can afford to you know hire the couple people needed and mostly afford the atrocious costs of fertilizer and machinery. And they farm thousands and thousands of acres of monocrop land, like one crop, like soybeans or wheat or whatever. And they can do it at such a low cost that our food is ridiculously cheap. It's ridiculously bad, but it's ridiculously cheap. If you wanted to unchain the land and allow people to farm it on a smaller scale, they could they could bury the world in food if every every piece of land that got rainfall and sunshine and, and could build up some decent soil, there'd be lots of food. We're not going to run out of food unless we're stupid about it. But people would have to learn to pay more for their food. Food would be, would be a bigger cost in, in your budget. So there, I almost went down a rabbit trail there. But you'd have to educate yourself. Um, 
you would have to learn more about what you were eating, what you were putting in your mouth, where it come from, how it was done. You would have to know like who baked good bread or, or who was a good butcher. This is not rocket science. We've been here before. The government took it over. Big companies and big government took it over. It used to be that every small town had a small town butcher, baker, candlestick maker type thing, but that all got big companies took it over. And, in, and at first it was cheap, but I think the, the big corporations stealing everything and big governments taxing everything, I think maybe it's time that that all needs to go down and maybe go back to more of a, a local level thing. But anyway, too many people in the world, we're going to run out of food. What I'm saying is no. Monetary models would have to change. The idea of what you do with your money. Like right now, people are loath to spend 10 cents more on food that even tastes better or is better for them. It's like getting the best deals on food that they put in their body is really, really important to them. Now, how good the food is, how good it is for their body, they don't consider important because for too many years we've relied on the government to make sure that we get basic nutrition, you know, those food pyramids and all the stuff about that. And I'm afraid the government hit the mark off now or hit, hit off the mark on that one. Now I'm going to take a, uh, go down a little bit of rabbit trail here because talking about lies of the day, I can't go past this one without talking about what a hideous lie it is because I have, um, anybody that's um, went to my website knows that I have a small farm and I raise cattle. I have pasture land and hay land. And this idea that, that we have to get away from eating meat because it's too hard on the planet, that is the grossest and most hideous lie I think that I've ever seen. I mean, I can't go past this without calling it utter bullshit uttered by complete fools because it's exactly the opposite. If you want to get good nutrition into people and, and tread lightly on the land, you need to raise more animals because these vegans that run around thinking that, that, Oh, because some cute cow didn't have to suffer. Or some cute chicken didn't have to suffer. So they're treading lightly on the planet by, by, uh, eating their corn and their soybeans you don't know what you're talking about. You know nothing of what you're talking about. The f to be able to feed people on th those is just like I was talking about. You need giant fields and giant machines, and those places are deserts for everything but what you're growing. Okay? They're worked up with machines. They're sprayed with chemicals, and nothing lives there. I mean, not even a beetle lives there. The only thing that lives in those thousands and thousands and thousands of acres is soybeans or corn. Even birds don't have much of a chance there. I can walk out on my little plot of land where I raise a few cows and it's 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 a real it's a real piece of land. It has birds and it has bears and it has coyotes and it has rabbits and it has squirrels. It has trees. And even my hayland, I only have to work it up every uh, seven, eight years and replant. 
So between that time, there's insects and worms and all kinds of stuff live in it. Now you might say, yeah, but I mean, how many people can you really feed? Well, that's not the point. The point is, is there's acres and acres and acres and acres, thousands and thousands and thousands of acres that you could range animals on, that you could never raise a corn or a soybean or a quinoa or whatever on it. So I'm not sure why they want to shut down the meat industry so bad, but it isn't to save on the planet because everything that comes out about the meat industry is is blacklisted. It's, it's lies. It's all lies. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. I can't obviously get too deep into it or I'll be here all night because there's all kinds of things to learn, everything from... You can sequester may, way more carbon if that's what you're really worried about. I'm thinking that that whole carbon thing is a, another lie. But if you're really worried about that, well-tended pasture land actually puts more carbon away than than um, having to use giant diesel-burning tractors to spread giant steel machines that, that pump hydrocarbon-based chemicals in in order to grow stuff. So... Anyway, let's get away from the food thing. I think I've hit on that one enough. Um, I'm thinking we could probably feed more people than we have now. If we put our minds to it and we're willing to put a little bit more into it and had more people involved in it. More farmers farming smaller plots of land more intensely would produce more and better food. Now, none of those farmers are going to get rich, and you're going to have to pay a lot more for your food. But bottom line is, it's doable. The other thing I want to talk about, well, there's too many people on the earth, there's too many people on the earth. There, you know, there was a, there was a, the whole thing of the population bomb. The idea was is that, well, population grows exponentially. So you plot it on a curve. It's going up at this rate. It's just going to get steeper. It's, the amount of people is just going to get higher and higher and higher until we're just burying people. They talk about things like uh, bacterias and things like that. And, you know, look, this is what's happening. We're destroying the earth. Doesn't work. People don't work like that. People, in the end, humanities, works more like a predator uh, society. Um, if you look at predator populations and animal populations, they regulate to their food supply. Now, they're designed to self-regulate. So if you've got, say, uh, a bunch of wolves or, and, and the deer population goes down, they tend to have smaller litters of pups. If there's deer everywhere, then they have larger litters of pups. So it seems that that's the way humanity is. If we look at it, when the human population starts to rise high enough and the population density gets high enough, people quit having so many babies. The richer we are, the more... Um, uh, resources that people can share out and enjoy. They want to have a, a, an enjoyable life, so they have less children. If you deprive people and make them poor, and their very survival as they get older is dependent on how many babies they can pop out to look after them, well, then you tend to have a rising population. So we've got to get away from that, too. Now let's leave po let's leave politics alone for a minute. Let's move on to geography. Let's let's look at cities, which I'm not a fan of, like you said, but they do exist. So, if everyone on Earth 
lived as densely populated as the great city of Manila in the Philippines, how much of an area do you think we'd cover? Well, we'd only cover the geographical area of the country of Tunisia, which is very small. Maybe you don't know what, how big Tunisia is. Okay, what about New Zealand? You must have a rough idea of how big the island of New Zealand is. What if we took the entire Earth's population, like everybody, China, Africa, North America, South America, everything, and we stuck them all in New Zealand? How high would we stack them? Well, we can pretty much know how high we'd stack them. We would stack them exactly the height of Manhattan. In other words, it would be the same density as people are living in Manhattan, New York. That's not, I mean, people in Manhattan don't think that they're hard done by. I wouldn't like to live like that, but there are many, many people that do. So you could leave the entire rest of the world as this park, and you could stack people up in tall towers and more densely populated, and they would be as densely populated as they are in Manhattan. Now, of course, the whole idea of resource allotment and waste removal and all that kind of stuff would, would be huge challenges. I, I understand that. And the idea of a city as dense as Manhattan, the size of New Zealand, makes me shudder a little bit. But it just gives you an idea that, that you know, because I think problem is that people live in big cities which was where most people live they get this idea that there's too many people on the earth because they are always in the city but it's really not true people are actually spread out more than you realize you know i think where a lot of this stuff come from is there was a, um, a professor uh, paul Ehrlich, Ehrlich, E-H-R-L-I-C-H. And he wrote a book back in the 60s called The Population Bomb. And he predicted all this huge die-off. and But he predicted that it was all going to... He, he did all the crunched all the numbers and everything. He predicted everybody was going to be dead back in the 1970s. I mean, his and this idea about the masses and too many people and everything, and, and it poisoned his, the attitudes of people ever since. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that mankind has to constantly face challenges. But just writing off millions of lives like the elite want to do, I don't think it's necessary. And it seems like the new chicken little theory that, that um, used to make everyone hate themselves and others and their neighbors is this new global warming scam. And it seems to have taken the place of this population bomb. It's like, there's too many people on the earth and we're using too many resources, so we have to stop using resources. Well, stop using resources is another way of saying a bunch of people have to die. Because if we just stop using energy, and we, that means that the rich will have energy and the poor won't, and the poor will die. So in conclusion, I would say it seems that there's constant lies in this area. And they're lies that make us hate ourselves and make us hate others just for existing and just for breathing air. The single truth is that these lies attack constantly. The truth that they attack all the time is that each individual is important. Each person is made in the image of God. Each person is a sovereign soul, good or bad, rich or poor. Each person is a sovereign soul. Each person is made in the image of God. And these lies that they keep pumping out are both overt and subtle. People are lumped together or they're divided into warring groups. 
And it's all in order to be used as either wedges or pawns or something. I mean, you think about what they what the left likes to do. They like to either lump everybody together, like like we're all, we're all together on this idea of kumbaya and you over there, you're all alone, so you must be an evil person. Or they break everybody apart. They 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 shatter them into, like I said before, it's like male or female or or different classes or different colors or different something. In order to, while well, this group over here, oh, you're hard done by, and it's because of this group over there. So they're really good at you know, these lies, pumping different lies out to to try and get people warring against one another. And generally making human life cheap. And you can see this now. You can see how it's worked out. Because, you know, right now, if I went and found a sea turtle nest and I stole and cooked and eat a sea turtle egg, or maybe I just broke a sea turtle egg for fun. Why I'd want to do that, I don't know. But if I did, I could go to jail. Or what about stealing a baby eagle out of a nest? <clears throat> well, that's really bad. But aborting a human fetus or abducting a child seems to draw a little concern. In fact, the whole abortion thing, that's, that's oh, you've got to protect that because otherwise, well, you hate women. But even the abdu abduction of children, which most people, you know, well, that should be really evil. But it's funny, you know, it's, you look at the way things are right now. There's all this concern about about uh, you know one person of of uh, a certain color gets killed by a person of another color, and the news is just all over it. And yet, this child abduction thing is just huge. Thousands and thousands of children are being drawn into these and pulled into these pedophile rings. I mean, there's real slavery in the world, and there's people shouting hatred toward well it's black people shouting hatred toward white people over slavery that happened 100 and what 170 years ago but there's slavery in the world right now so yeah it's it's bizarre how how all all this is is coming down and yet this dislike of people i mean y you could might be able to kick a kid and get away with it as long as his mother didn't see you but you would not get away with kicking a puppy so you can see that this 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 uh, taking away the idea of the importance or or the the sovereignty of the individual human has been eroded over the years with these lies of too many people, too many people, too many people. So I think uh, that's enough for today and talking about the lies, but it's something to think about. Something, you know. Maybe you need to purge yourself of these lies. Maybe you need to s examine your soul for a little bit of hatred for your fellow man. Not somebody you know necessarily, but just somebody you don't know, but just he's just another person. Maybe you better be careful about seeing all the others just as zombies. All right, well, we don't have much time here, so it's a good thing my practical step was 
that I'm putting in for this week for you to do is pretty simple. So I had a, a longer talk on it, but I'll, I'll shorten it down a little bit. But first of all, as I always start out, here we go. Get off the couch, turn that boob tube off. Get outside and do something. Go get the stink blowed off you. You won't learn nothing watching that garbage. This keeps up. We're going to have a country full of people with wide, soft asses and even softer heads. There you go. There's your diatribe that's supposed to get you to turn your devices off. Get outside. Go for a walk. Go lift something heavy. Go build something. Get yourself out of this 24-hour news and entertainment cycle. Get into the real world. Go find some nature. Go look at a tree. Go find a river or creek. Throw a rock in it. Just go see the real world. Find something creative to do. Find something challenging to do. There's too many passive distractions in the world. I think it's making us all a little crazy. How's your plants growing? I know in one past I, I said to grow a seed, put a seed in a pot and watch it grow. Have you built anything lately? That was another one I did. Create something, make something, build a birdhouse, do something like that. What about our little challenge to study? And of course I have to put in, talk to your doctor and then try a little bit of intermittent fasting. Are you doing any of that? Are you missing some meals? Are you noticing how your body changes? Are you Have you been able to see yourself as two entities? Your soul, which works very hard at, you know, if you set out to do it, you're determined you're going to do it to miss a meal. But your body, oh, that flesh, it's like, oh, it feels hard done by when you miss a meal. It growls and growls, and you talk to it and tell it, hey, Come on, like, just chill. It's like one meal. You, can, you can't miss one meal, dude. <clears throat> anyway, how'd that go for you? But anyway, uh, sometimes I do these harder practical steps, and I, and I mentioned them before. You can go back to my other uh, episodes and, and listen to some of those. But today, it's really simple. Today is an intellectual exercise, so you can put as much effort into this as you want to. And this is how it works. Reach into your pocket, take out your wallet, and take out some paper money. Smooth it out on the table and take a really good look at it. I mean, depending on where you live, the bill could be colorful, or it could be dull, it could be big, it could be small. They always have pictures on them of some person. Do you know who that person is? And it has all these numbers on it. They're getting fancier all the time. They've got... Oh, little curly cues and metal things in there. Canada here, it's not even paper anymore. It's some kind of weird plastic, the money. I, I hate it personally, but it's waterproof. Anyway, that's not the point. I mean, they're all different, but the point is, is take a look at it because this represents what you're looking at. It represents so much of why you do things. It takes a big chunk of your life and runs it. I mean, you covet this thing. You work for it. You use it for gain. Sometimes you throw it away foolishly. Sometimes you fight with your friends or family over it. There's a good chance that it controls a big part of who you are and what you do. I mean, in in a way, I'm not blaming you. I'm, I'm not saying you have to feel guilty about that because, I mean, that what you're looking at is what you take in to buy food. So in some ways, it's really important for your survival. I mean, and, and some people have so much of it. 
it's like I mean they get piles of it. It's like Scrooge McDuck. They could put it all in a big safe and jump in and swim around in it. And other people they they fight for every bill and they, every single one of those little things. They need it. It all represents clothing for their kids or or parts for their car so they can make it to work and, and make more of those. But just take a look at it. Now imagine, while you're looking at it, that it's suddenly worthless. I mean, you could sweep thousands of them up out of the gutter. They're blowing everywhere, everywhere you look. That what you're looking at right now on the table in front of you is, well, it doesn't even make good butt wipe. It's too small, it's too smooth, and probably too stiff on that end unless you crumpled it a few times. And don't think that this hasn't happened before because it's happened more often than you can imagine. And who knows? It could be happening in your future very shortly where cash becomes nothing of value. So study this. Go, and here I am telling you to back on a device because that's how you do it. It's not like you'll hike down to the library and, and get a dusty book off the shelf. You'll, you'll go to your computer or your phone and you'll look it up. But see how many societies in the past where their money has went to zero and isn't worth anything. I know the Weimar Republic in Germany is one. Uh, I think there was, I can't remember which, Zimbabwe in Africa, I think. And, and now, of course, in uh, South America, there's Venezuela. I seen a picture the other day of a street in Venezuela, and the gutters literally were full of money, like the street, because that's, you know, it was blown by the wind, and that's where it collected is in the gutters. So study why their currency lost value. See if you can figure it out why all of a sudden that, 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 that bill that you're fighting for so hard in those countries, they, those pe there was people there that were fighting just as hard to have money, and now it wasn't worth anything. So what makes it worth something? Well, I'll tell you right now. The only reason that bill in front of you is worth anything is because you and other people think it's worth what it says. Intrinsically, in and of itself, it's worth very, very little. No more than a page torn out of a notebook. So sit and ponder that for a while. And then ask yourself, what is value? And what do I have that has value? I mean, things around us can change. But life still is an adventure. You're going to need some value in that adventure, are you not? Anyway, that's what I have for you today. If um, you enjoyed this podcast or you think somebody else might enjoy the podcast, then share it with somebody. You can find me on my website at nanomicranger.com. You can send me an email to animepatrolhq at yahoo.com. Don't forget to, wherever you're at, to subscribe and to review and like. And... Don't forget, until we meet again, keep an edge in your knife. Keep your matches dry, because life is a one-time adventure. you got to learn to live it that way. You know, 
I hear how in this day and age of the COVIDs that young people, there's more and more young people getting thoughts of suicide. Man, just, just blow that out of your head. Life is an adventure. Things are going to change. Things are going to turn around. They're at least going to be different. So learn to live life as that adventure. Just learn to live it that way. Till next time. Vea con Dios, eh? <laughs>